Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we begin today's episode, a quick announcement from Drew. Take it away, Drew. I wanted to mention something that I like. I kind of forgot until the very end of our Friday content last week um, to mention, and I didn't plan oh, yeah. for for our Tuesday content this week, so I figured I, I'd mention it now. So my my family's got a charity, the uh, David K. Johnson Foundation, which raises money to combat Alzheimer's. Uh, they have they a lot of it goes to the Cure Alzheimer's Fund, which all the overhead costs are covered by the uh, you know the people in charge there and 100 percent donations go to research and, and a number of other causes relating to the fight against Alzheimer's. Taylor Hall of the Boston Bruins and the Boston Bruins Foundation have joined the team and are now kind of associated with the with the charity, which is awesome. I think is great exposure and just kind of shows that, you know, Alzheimer's affects people of all walks of life, whether you're a stupid guy on a podcast like me, whose grandfather had Alzheimer's, and that's what the charity is named after. Or if you're a freaking like world-class athlete like Taylor Hall is, uh, you know, it affects everyone. So check out dkjfoundation.org or... I mean, you can go there and donate money and all that, or just like, you know, donate to causes of all things. It's past the holidays, but, it, you know, the season of giving and all that, but continue to, you know, give to causes that, that you want to um, and that affect you. I think I think people yeah. kind of forget about that. They'll donate money or volunteer or whatever throughout the holidays. And that's like, all right. January There's still many, March many causes out there. Worst. Alzheimer's is one, but there are many, 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 many causes, whether it's a disease, whether it's people in need, all that, you know, go out there and support and do good if you have the means. Or your your local food bank, as, as a reminder, as I just stated, yes. like January through March is always the worst because, yeah. number one, it's winter. So around New England, it's cold. And uh, number two, it's after the holidays. So there's a big rush in December. And then if things expire, well, what do you do in January or February? So, right. and as things charity, get worse, charity of your choice, do it. As Spread things, kindness. you know, get worse through the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure things are going to be shifting. Um, people might not feel comfortable with their jobs, whatever. Honestly, regardless if it's COVID related or not, um, just I guarantee you, if you look in your pantry right now, you have some ramen, some progresso soup, some you can David Pasternak pasta from Snapper nope. Shop. No, sorry, I'm gonna be selfish with that one because I don't have that up here in New York. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But no, like seriously, five dollars goes a long way, and Alzheimer's is something that's affected my family. So I'm literally on the website right now, and um, I'm gonna make a donation. So thank you, Drew, for sharing. Thank you, Jess. 
Uh, just to chime yeah. into, uh, I actually just kind of learned about this foundation recently through Drew, um, but I was super stoked to, to hear about it because it's an awesome cause. And um, I've like probably most people out there, I've my family's been affected by it, um, continues to be that sort of thing. Uh, my dad actually also runs a, a charity golf tournament every year to benefit Alzheimer's, uh, which I was just talking to Drew about trying to get him out for that next year. Oh, yeah. But anyway, you know, again, th- this affects at least, you know, three of us on the pod and I'm sure plenty of other people out there. So we'll, we are separate, very much separate from that, mm-hmm. but you know, we have a very small platform here, but we'll do, you know, whatever we can to, to tweet out any links for those of you guys who are interested in, um, in either, you know, donating directly or just passing it on to other people who might be in a, a more stable financial situation, that sort of thing. Um, anything we can do to get the word out, obviously we'll, we're more than happy to do so. Yeah. Thank you for sharing Drew. And of course. Uh, yeah, excited to see obviously what, you know what you guys can do with uh with taylor hall and, and the bees yeah. that's a huge platform <clears throat> that you guys have access to so that's really awesome to hear yeah he actually he did a video for us so if you want to go to dkjfoundation.org there's a button you can click i think at the top we put it at the top of the website mm-hmm. to go to taylor hall plus dkj or whatever um there's a video about there he explains you know uh, his whole relation to it there's also you can submit your own video you can donate but you can also nominate a caregiver which is a big thing with our our charities that is the caregivers and you know whether that's someone at a nursing home or whether that's someone taking care of someone at home uh who's suffering from dementia uh you know they deserve to be credited because that that's a lot of hard work uh whether you're a family member or professional that can be a lot so too but yeah check that out and like i said uh don't just like donate or do something good for our charity because i am them uh do something good for any cause that you believe in All right, everybody, for the second time, let's try this out here. Welcome into the Bruce and Bruins podcast. My name is Cam Hasbrook. Jess is getting the first intro because I just started introing and I was not hitting the record button. So thank you to guest slash great friend Jess Belmosto for making sure this podcast survives. This would have been the first podcast that we lost because I never recorded it in the first place as opposed to some travesty happening afterwards. But uh, we're here. Uh, Chris is not here with us today. He's feeling a little bit under the weather, but luckily the bullpen is here. Drew is here as well. Nick Lanciani rounding out, or rather squaring out our fourth here. Let's talk a little bit of beer here. I know Lancey, Lancey said you had to dig into the fridge a little bit to, to grab something, but I you did. came out with something good. You went you went mining and you struck gold. What you got there? I, I got Harpoon's Big League in my hands and uh, 37s all around just preemptively because it's what I've been enjoying for Christmas. Yeah, some good strike. stuff. Uh, Harpoon, for those of you who don't know, have uh, the Rec League and the Big League. Uh, the Rec League is more of your classic. Is it a pale ale or is it uh, you know, kind of your classic light beer? Uh, really good flavor, though. And the Big League is an IPA, I believe, right? I mean, I think they're like both IPAs, technically. Yeah, Rec League is it. like, oh, you sit this and enjoy it. Big League is like, hey, this is a 7.2% beer. So you'll feel it, but not quite as much as the other ones that I've had on the show before. Yeah, for or is that uh, just my tolerance? <laughs> hey, 
You've been on the podcast too many times. It's partially us to blame. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, there's that. But at the same time, it's given me a great excuse because we just had this influx of beer for Christmas and New Year's. And, you know, only so many people around here will enjoy one. So I've been stretching this out as best as I can, trying a new one every day. Every time I'm on the show anyway. Christmas cheer and Christmas beers. I love it. Uh, Christmas beer is not here. Save that for, a time for next year. Yeah, hopefully for next. Hopefully for next week. Uh, Drew, what you got going on today? Anything? Anything special? Nothing too special. Just another down east winter blend. Uh, just trying to clear out the fridge after the holiday season as well. Didn't have to dig too far because we didn't. My buddy came over and he brought like a twelve pack of Coronas for like New Year's Eve. And there's like nine there. We <laughs> didn't touch them. So I gained beer Greg over the holidays friends. as opposed to buying it and losing it. I actually, it was a net net positive because he left it. Um, but yeah, drinkability for cider. I mean, it, it's really sugary. Down Easts are always super sugary. So in that respect, they're easy to drink because they're sweet, but that can also make it harder. So we're going to go 33 for drinkability, tasteability. Why you can taste it 37. Yeah, those things are fantastic. I almost had one yeah. at the bar earlier, but yeah, they're very nice. The winter bun's really great. I'm sad to see it go, but maybe we'll see a spring blend, a little bit of rain mist, <laughs> rain mist, flower, slowly budding flowers and dirt, just muddy dirt <laughs> into the beer. I'm sure they'll come up with something good. They've got they've got great drinks. I love Downies. So I'm gonna get a mud dirt flower IPA. <laughs> Send it to Colin. It'll be uh, it'll be good. So, <laughs> Jess, anything for you tonight? Yes, I have a down east blueberry. Oh, yes. And it is just delicious and um 37s all around. Oh, yeah. I just I got this um as a birthday present and it's I I love it. It's delicious. And um you know, obviously down east can't go wrong. Yeah, we're going to have to make them an unofficial official sponsor or something. I like was that. just about to say, <laughs> what would you say the main theme of tonight is? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah apparently cider i don't have a cider though so i'll break that uh i'm keeping it classic i wanted so a nice fun. light beer uh, i've been drinking a lot of miller lately of course uh, but i went to switch it up for a, a pbr so um, i'm sure i've reviewed this a couple times in the pod before it's your, your drinkability it's not pours. obviously 37 uh taste like an eight you know it's it's a good flavor but uh, i taste miller a lot more than i taste pbrs but Still a good beer to go to when you want something light, relaxing. Um, a trusty, trusty light beer there for sure. So, Trusty, dusty. Yes. Uh, for the first time in weeks, we have hockey to talk about. So let's let's do a little bit of that. The Bruins playing a back-to-back uh, over the weekend for the first time in, in what seems like an eternity. Their last game against the Islanders came on December 16th and they had lost two games in three days to Vegas and then the Islanders scoring just two goals. Secondary scoring was an issue again. Since then, there's been six games canceled over the course of two weeks, a little over. Finally, they come back into action against Buffalo and Detroit, obviously not the strongest of competition, uh, despite where Detroit was in the standings, technically ahead of the Bruins by total points, but not by points percentage. Uh but a pretty impressive showing in back-to-backs for the Bruins. Linus Omark gets a start in game one. And then it was Jeremy Swayman in game two. The secondary scoring comes out. 
Let's start with the Buffalo game on Saturday. I feel like the Bruins and the Sabres have played the exact same game like a hundred times. Like every every game they play feels the same to me. I was texting with my buddy who's a Sabres fan about this. I feel like it's the, always the Sabres take an early lead. They kind of jostle back in the second period. You're like, oh, shit, the Bruins might lose. Then they score like two quick ones in the third to either tie it and go ahead or tie it and go to overtime. And then it's like a 70% chance the Bruins win in OT only against the Sabres. It was the formula that rang strong again here uh, once once again against the Sabres on Saturday, giving up a first-period goal. Uh, Craig Smith gets a dirty goal in the second to tie it up. They give up two more quick ones. Once again, you're going into the third period wondering, is this going to be it? Is this going to be it? Have no fear. The Bruins are back to what they're doing. Uh, Nick Foligno finally gets his first goal as a Bruin. Uh, a kind of a right place, right time goal right there, but we'll take it. Uh, and then... Uh, who scored the uh... Taylor Hall? Yes, I just, I just oh, heard the the, the airplane in the background there, and it had just flown over here. And, <laughs> it it it, and then I heard it on your head. That was trippy. There you go. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. It was two goals in two minutes for the Bruins. That's right. Uh, Felino had kind of a dirty goal, and then Taylor Hall with the the kind of classic slot snipe that you wanted to sign him for uh, to tie that thing up. Before I think that was about fifteen minutes left in the third. And then Charlie Coyle with a beautiful snipe in overtime to finish it out. You'll notice no goals from Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, or David Posternock. It was a theme for the weekend, but a start for the early scoring. Uh, for those of you who got to catch that Buffalo game, how did we feel about that? Again, I, I feel like I've watched that same game a hundred times, but yeah. it was nice to see, first of all, the Bruins playing again and winning again, because that was, you know, it's been a week since we saw that. Uh, but to see a little bit of production up and down the lineup was definitely promising. Yeah, I mean, it- Nick Felino was having like a horrible and great game at the same time. Like, I don't know how <laughs> to explain that. Like he was like in all the right places doing the right things, but couldn't execute like on any, it felt single play. He just um, had some bad luck. Yeah. It was just the pucks were not bouncing his way at all. Um, and then he it, but it, eventually, you know, third period he scores and it feels real good. Cause I was like, as a, as a fan watching, it felt really good to see him get that. It's his first as a Bruin first of the year. Same thing. Um, and then you see Taylor Hall score basically right after that. And, uh, you know, those are both guys that in different ways you wanted to see them get going, uh, have had their different struggles throughout the year. Taylor Hall obviously had scored and, and was producing somewhat, but, you know, you want to see him step up a little bit more. And Felino finally getting on the board is great. Um, and then the Bruins, you know, they just rode that into, into OT. Um, and Charlie Coyle, another guy that you really <laughs> same same theme. You want to see them get going. Uh, so just a great overall. You know the Bruins had talked about how that break really they were really using that break to help them. And coming out of that, they were feeling like okay, this has helped us reset. I think we're ready to go here. Um, and it, and it, at least for those players who struggled, it, it seemed to do. It, they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but you know worked out when they needed to yeah it seemed like they needed a period kind of to get back into the the flow of things but definitely uh after that midway through the second period i think they looked like the the pretty solidly better team uh reflecting the score sheet two forty-one shots for the bruins i think it was like 24 for buffalo that entire game so the bruins were dominating most of the offense possessions and then uh something else that i don't want to get lost here charlie mcavoy with three assists in that one um I just give the what guy the guy. trophy. Yeah, <laughs> you can't ask for much oh, more. Boy, my been, boy, <laughs> he's been the the reliable piece on that back end all season, as you were expecting. Um, you know he's going to bring you a lot defensively. You know he has that 
offensive threat. Um, and sometimes it feels like he doesn't quite get rewarded for it enough, but that was a game where he was he's certainly cashing in, uh, you know, like I said, three assists, including a secondary assist on the Charlie Coyle OT winner, helping move that up the ice. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Lancey, Jess, any thoughts on that one? Or um, I'm going to say something controversial uh, to, to my brand. Anders Bjork was a little punk. Was he? Yeah, he, he like, crossed. Oh, so he's turned that. on Anders Bjork now. Just for that. For a brief moment, because he <laughs> cross-checked. Um, who was it? I think it was like Derek Forbort. Was, oh, it was, was our guy. And I don't know. <laughs> I just I wouldn't expect that from him. And like, I don't know. Get yeah, I don't know the exact player talking about, but um, there's a penalty in the third. I thought it was like the first period. Yeah, hold on, I got the notes. I don't right. know. I thought it was early. Both. He did it twice. He did it twice. No, he only did it once. No. Um, the I two promise. games have blended together in my mind. Oh, yeah, it was the first period. Something happened in the third that I was thinking of. There was only one call. Yeah, one call. I think it was just Smith. Smith. Anyway. Yeah, tripping penalty. Yeah. But anyways. But those two games were virtually the same. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So uh, we're right, starting well, like a fuck Bjork train. Like is that- no, 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 no. We're gonna make that loud and clear in case Lauren right. Campbell's listening. <laughs> so <to> make sure <laughs> that is not what's going on. It was a it was a fairly controversial take from Jess, but we're all keeping our temperature at a nice room medium right now. Yeah. So okay, fine. Uh, let's let's turn it over to Sunday. Uh, five to one win against Detroit. More secondary scoring up and down the lineup. I thought Christmas Street was kind of funny about how the Bruins will waste all their secondary scoring in blowout games just to make it look like they have some. Hopefully that's not the case. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi got on the board. Fuck that guy. Uh, Literally, just get back. If we're starting a fuck anyone campaign, it's <laughs> Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. Uh, he got on the board pretty early. I think it was about 11 minutes into the first. Uh, from there, it was all Boston, Bergeron, Halla, McAvoy scoring, Trent Frederick, and then Tomasz Nosek scoring. A lot of a lot of depth points again. Uh, I only see, let's see, obviously the, the Bergeron goal with a Martian assist. I think that's the only points out of that top line uh, or the, the traditional erection line. I'll say, obviously, there were some shakeups in the lineup, which we'll get to in a few so um, I'm going to address that right now. Actually, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. So I was going to say technically the first line doesn't exist anymore. Yes, there's a new first line which had all the. Posts. I got the asterisk. Don't worry, Lancey. <laughs> Very uh, important I, there. I don't want to. I don't want to overread too much. Uh, two games, nine goals with some depth scoring against um, what will probably be lower half of the division teams at the end of the season. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out with Detroit and all that if they can kind of catch some fire, but. Um, you know, I don't want to read too much into it, but again, I think promising, especially like Drew said, after such a long break, kind of having a chance to reset, especially for those guys that really needed to get a motor going, it's promising to see those, you know, that kind of production, those numbers from really the bottom nine and the shakeups kind of up and down the lineup. Uh, any special thoughts, notes that you guys had about that game? I mean, promising for sure. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think. Oh, sorry, Drew. Yeah. No, no, that's I it wasn't was me. Gonna, oh, sorry, <laughs> Lansing. It wasn't that, me. Um, it wasn't me. There you go, Drew. Floor's yours. Uh, the, the Detroit Red Wings to me, because I I know everyone all weekend, whether it was KPD or anyone, not necessarily specifically, that was like, well, they should beat these teams. They're worse than them, or they're better than them, or whatever. 
And I just want to point out that you're technically not better than a team that's ahead of you in the standings, regardless of games in hand or points percentage, whatever other stat that you want to make up to try to take away from how good they've been out of the gate. There's that. Now, I'm not saying that the Red Wings are a lot better than people are saying that they are, but I'm saying that they are, they're good. Okay. They've been getting better in the last few years. Yes, they have a horrible goal differential, but sometimes there's a team that makes the playoffs with a horrible goal differential and they either do like what the Montreal Canadiens have done the last couple of years, go on some inexplicable run, even though they shouldn't have technically been there. We've been, we've been over that so many times, Uh, or they just fall out in the first round. That's what happens because sports are weird. Now, as it relates to the Bruins, uh, now that they're ahead of the Red Wings, you, of course, can say, yeah, they're, see, they're better than Detroit. That works. Um, but, you know, it, it's the way that you expect things to go in the second game of a back-to-back. You don't necessarily expect a blowout. You still want to see them beat the team because, again, oh, but they're better than them. They did that. Then they had, you know, a few extra goals that you say, okay, now there might be something here. I'm not saying Stanley Cup contending, but I am saying you got two teams on the bubble for playoff berths. They had a competitive game, even though one, one side looks a little more lopsided by the end result. I, I don't want to discredit the Red Wings and what they've done from where they were just a few years ago to now. This by far isn't the highest of their potential, but they're better than people have been saying that they are all week long. I, 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 I hate to disagree, Lancey, and I think they have been better. I think they are good. I, I was, I think I've been giving them personally on this podcast more credit than they deserve. Uh, I would say that's I, fair too. I think because if you, you want know, to break it down, offense, defense, goaltending, real quick, to, to totally jump on where I think you might go. Their goaltending is worse. Their defense is just more insider, and that's like that's it. And their mm-hmm. offense, they have Lucas Raymond. When he's not hurt, it's great. When he's hurt, it's not as great. But they have the right keys to the formula for the next three, five years of long-term success, which can play spoiler for a team like the Bruins right now. Anyway, for sure. Saying, I think they could definitely play spoiler, but you look at them right now, they're a 500 team, 15, 15, three, throw away the the two loser points there, or actually you just count those as losses and they're, and they're not 500, they're below 500. Um, And I just think, yeah, they could play spoilers. I think they're getting better for sure. I think they're, I mean, it's a really tough division as it is. I think they're making it a little tougher for the Bruins, but I mean, it's very tough for them as well when you're facing Tampa, um, you got the Maple Leafs, you got the Florida Panthers who've been doing well, you got the Bruins there as well. Um, it's really tough. So I think the Bruins kind of showed the what they can do against a team that is 500 or below and a team that I agree that they should be beating. You can't just say one team's better than the other, though, just based on a record, just based on points, especially when those two teams, regardless of the number of games are close in the standings, you can't just definitively say, hey, these guys are better than those guys, but I think the Bruins showed that they're better and can be better than the Detroit Red Wings. And the fun thing that I always like to point out is when you get to the playoffs and someone will say, well, this team is better than that team because they're the first seed or the third seed or whatever, and they're playing the, the sixth or the eighth back in the day when you had one through eight instead of the current format. That's fine. That's great. But what what what's the end result? Who's the better team? The one that wins the series, the one that gets to four wins first. 
on paper, you can have the Tampa Bay Lightning and they're better. But then the Columbus Blue Jackets sweep them and, well. Do we need Columbus to talk about Do we need to talk about the 2019? We, we won't go past the first round there. But, <laughs> but we can, you know, you just reference last year and how Colorado and Vegas in a great matchup. Colorado won the President's Trophy. People were like, hey, the Avs, they could go on to win the Cup. Not really. I mean, they tied in points with Vegas. They won by virtue of a tiebreaker. And Vegas beat them. Okay, well, Vegas is a better team. Okay, in that series, then they get to play Montreal. And, well, we all know what happened there. The Canadians ended up going to the Stanley Cup final and rightfully got crushed by the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were, in fact, the better team both on paper and in the end result. So, you know, the the definition changes a bit. In the regular season, it's whoever's ahead of you in the standing. That's the better team until you beat them that night and you leapfrog them or what have you. In the playoffs, it becomes a little bit more loose in terms of who won the series. That was your better team. Whether they wanted it more, they had a few bounces go their way, what have you, that was a better team. Yeah. It's I, it's I, that simple. I partially agree. I think I think uh you do have to take, especially in a season like this and, and with a schedule like the Bruins have had, I think you have to take the games played into account. I think I think points percentage is probably the best way to rate it once you get to a certain level. Um obviously there has to be enough enough of a sample size there to make it worthwhile, but I feel like that's usually a better read. Um, I would bring that up when it comes more towards probability of making the playoffs. Uh, okay. A night-to-night matchup, yeah. I, I would strictly look at you know how the team has done the last ten games, where they are in the standings, regardless of everything else. Yeah, I think recent state, success, like, okay. certainly. Yeah. So the Bruins are coming off of two weeks off, sixteen days total. I expected them to be kind of bad against Buffalo. The Sabres, I think they had one game before they played Boston. At, after the holiday break. So I expect them to be a little bit slower. The second period, I expected it to be better. It wasn't. The third period, it was fine. You know, they, they came back, they tied it, they won overtime. Whoopee. And then they played Detroit. And you expect them as professional athletes to be ready to go, despite the fact that it's a back to back and despite the fact that they had to travel in between that. And then they, of course, blew the lid off things in the third period. After giving up one goal, they scored five unanswered goals the entire game, but the third period especially was arguably their most dominant. And now it's just a matter of, okay, can you maintain this? Because you're going to be playing every other night for pretty much the rest of the season. And, you know, there's there's always variables you can throw in, injuries and what have you. But that's where they're at. It's It's very much living in the moment and kind of just going with what works. I'll give you that. I'll say, uh, I think recently, um, I'll say, I think, I think you are right that, that Detroit is on, uh, they're, they, they're, they're in a correct spot for where they are in their multiple year plan. I'll say like, like you said, you look at where they were one, two years ago, it's a night and day different team. That being said, I don't think they're as good as we've seen so far this season. And I'll, I will go to even a game by game goal differential, just looking at the results this season of their 15, losses or i guess 18 losses technically that they've had only four of them were by a goal on the flip side 10 of those 18 losses were by at least three goals and the games that they're winning on the flip side one two three four five six just seven of those or rather seven total of those 15 wins they have were only by a goal so you know it it, not to throw everything into those single game goal differentials but 
when they're winning, it's usually pretty close. And sometimes, or rather a lot of the time when they're losing, it's not very close. So to me, that shows a team that is struggling to kind of find that consistency. They can grind out those wins. And that's the type of thing you'd expect from a team like Detroit right now with where they are in the rebuild, uh, that they're going to, they're going to grind out wins once in a while. And and look, they're going to have some impressive wins along the way. That's hockey. But at the end of the day, they're a team that probably is going to finish below 500, I think, this season or very close to it. If the only thing I'd, I'd follow up with that is I know that they've been, again, if you want to talk last 10 games, they've been a bit on the downward trend. They, mm. they did what you want to do, get out with them as many points as you can in the first month or two. Now they're hitting a bit of a rough patch. The, the dead season, as I call it, from December to February 1st, ultimately, where it's just all about survival. Don't get anyone that's going to be out for a long time due to injury. Don't run into any other issues. Don't have a falling out with your coach and hopefully pick things back up in February. and You'll be fine Mm. because that's when you want to start dropping the hammer anyway. Having said that, they are a better team on home ice than they are on road ice. So the only only thing I'd say with their losses is how many have they lost on the road and what was their goal differential there. Now, of course, they beat the Bruins in Boston 2-1 to one back in November after losing by a similar score to Sunday's result uh, the first time around. I, I only stress that the Red Wings are good, if not better than most people think, but still bad because they aren't, you know, where they want to be in five years from now because they're going to be Boston's biggest opponent within the division in terms of trying to make the playoffs. I don't see Ottawa making a run like they almost made last Mm -hmm. year or two years ago leading up to the pandemic. I don't see the Sabres coming back to life, even though they have Alex Tuck now and he's from Rochester and he loves playing for Buffalo. I I don't see the rest of the team really panning out the way that they want things to go. Uh, Maybe they could use a number one center that's in Vegas now. Who knows? Uh, But Montreal, dead in the water. You know, if you're going to try to compete with Tampa, Toronto, and Florida, with what you have right now and what we've seen, I don't see it. This weekend could be the bit the big turning point in that the two weeks off was beneficial to the depth guys to rest up, heal up, whatever they need to do, just take their focus off of being in the droughts that some of the players were in. And now they've scored. They could start appearing on the score sheet a lot more, and that would be great. But in the meantime, they're still significantly disadvantaged compared to, you know, the full lineup of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the full lineup of the Florida Panthers, who, by mm-hmm. the way, might have broken the Lightning just in the last couple of games. Yeah. Um, and even Toronto, who I said in October last year, didn't like their roster as much as they do now. And a lot of that had to do with signing too many depth guys for too few roles. And what did the Bruins do this year? Sign possibly too many depth guys for too few roles. I mean, well, you, you might you might want to talk about thing. Oscar Steen on the fourth line looking great with Thomas Nosek. Well, where does that leave you when Curtis Lazar comes back? Quick reminder, the Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available yet in your state, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long. 
with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win a hundred in free bets if your team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. $5 deposit and $1 rate required. One per customer. Six is apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. They don't know how to utilize their young players. They don't know how to develop their young players. And this is what we're seeing. And, you know, we had all this excitement about Jack Stadnika, who is still down in Providence and not really seeing much time up in Boston. And I don't know. I think that a lot of this does have to do with Bruce Cassidy. And I think a lot of it has to do with stubbornness. But um, they have too many cooks in the kitchen, and somebody needs to Gordon Ramsay them. And <laughs> out. Love that. That's quite the way to say. It, yeah. Imagine Gordon Ramsay giving an intermission speech. Oh, that would be after after you give up like three unanswered. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to imagine that. You, 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 you. You're an idiot. Now, the only thing I want to mention before I show up for a few minutes and let you guys discuss things, uh, Oscar Steen with Providence this year, 10, 10, 20 totals in 16 games played. Jack Stunica, 4, 7, 11 totals in 16 games played. If you're a big fan of plus minus because you might be a dinosaur or a direct descendant of one, <laughs> uh, Oscar Steen is a plus 10 in those 16 games. Stunica is a minus 4. Now, we know that we, we can't track ice time for some strange reason in the AHL because they just don't do that. So if you're on the first <laughs> line, you're playing a lot more. If you're on the fourth line, you're not playing as much. I don't think Steen would be playing on the fourth line in the AHL as he is in the NHL. But if you're on the first line, if you're on the power play, if you're on the penalty kill, you're, you're on so many chances to get destroyed, plus minus wise, that would explain why Stunica might look, quote, worse, unquote. Now, 11 points in 16 games, not bad. That's right about where you want things to be, considering the mess of last season. You know, they, they only had 24 games on the schedule, 25. And, uh, you know, he played in 11 of them because he spent the rest of the time either in the taxi squad or in action for Boston. So he had seven points in 11 games last year. Meanwhile, Zach Senishin went off last year in the shortened, condensed AHL season. And... You know, this year it's kind of just like, hey, he, he can play really well at the AHL level. Well, now we'll he see wants to what, be what happens long term, despite the fact that he's, you know, like three or four years older than Jack Stunico at this point. So where he's at in development is a different story um, in terms of how the Bruins want to protect the stud man for the future. Uh, you know, if they can try to make him the next David Krejci. That still remains to be seen. Do we think that uh, there was an issue? Okay, I don't know how to phrase this. Not an issue. But remember how Peter Solarik was never getting really, like, playing time? He was always in... Wow, that's a name. Tossing it back to Peter Solarik. Wow. Not of that name. Yeah, so I just think... He had great chemistry with Krejci. Yeah, but, like... I always refer to it as the Solaric treatment. And I think that every player, every young guy, I should say, that's come through the system under Bruce Cassidy has kind of gotten that treatment. Um, 
rightfully so or not. Like, you know, you've seen DeBrusque get scratched a few times. You've seen, well, Bjork when he was here, he was like clawing for a chance to crack the lineup. Um, you know, is Zach Seneshin the next, you know, the next name to go? Because I think the key that we're missing here is Dan Heinen. Oh, yeah, him. Yeah. If, if I were to, to rank the, the guys that have all either requested trades or been traded, Heinen would be first or second, you know, yeah. behind Jake DeBrusque or just in front of him or, or on the same plane as him. Bjork fell victim to injuries of mm-hmm. similar nature, you know, separated shoulder, what have you, two years in a row, basically. And that's what really hurt, literally, his development. Yeah, I think he played like 20 games in two seasons because of injuries. Exactly. Yeah. Over 20, like crazy. Now, DeBrusque and Heinen, to me, they, they came in as top nine forwards and they stayed within the top nine. Of course, DeBrusque has appeared on the fourth line at times. <laughs> Bjork never really solidified his role as a top nine guy. And, you know, if, if the Bruins had a spot for him on the fourth line and he could maintain his pace of play in as few minutes a night that you would get, he probably could still be here. But you know what? If we he were still Taylor here, Steen comes along. And, and then there's that. <laughs> so, so moving Bjork, Bjork is not that big of a deal to no, me as not. it is the the allocation of okay so heinen what did you get in return for him because mm-hmm. you've gotten more was did that you use him in the right ways well if you remember there was it was the back-to-back trades where it was kasha yeah. and bacchus i don't remember right i don't remember first or second but um, so uh, lance but are, are you saying are you back. saying fuck bjork is that what i'm saying <laughs> i mean I'm saying that there is a way to utilize him, and the Bruins just couldn't utilize him. So he's better off. In so Buffalo. the Bruins said, "Fuck Bjork." That's yeah. Okay. I mean, essentially, as long as someone's saying it, that's... because if my <laughs> my college roommate from back in the day listens to this, he'll he'll be mad at me for dissing the Sabers in any way whatsoever. I'm saying he's better in Buffalo than he was in Boston. He's in a better Certainly. situation. Yeah. He can kind of take his time and, and regather his collective tools uh, because of the lost time that he had. And the fact that so many guys moved up in the depth charts ahead of him, either this year or coming into this year, if he had still been a member of this team, because Steen from the few games that we saw him last year into this year, I really liked his play. And if you want to have someone that sure might score one goal, but it's just better overall as a fourth liner than someone who should be playing up in the lineup but not good as a fourth liner and can't take one of the spots away from a guy like Taylor Hall, etc. Then you go with Steen. There still is a role player thing in the sport, just not so much as people think, oh, well, you have to have an enforcer. You have to have a guy that fights all the time. Not so much. You just have to have the right combination of guys that can block shots, make hits, play hard, they don't have to go over the line, but play hard enough to get the first line back out there after they're well rested. And if you're spending more time in the attacking zone than your own zone, you're doing your job. Good things are gonna happen. I'm with you, Lancey. There, I think. Uh, I don't know. I feel like like Cassidy gets the won't play young guys thing a lot. Um, I think a lot of coaches across the league do, and I, it's hard. I, I get some of the criticism, but at the same time, I think with how the Bruins are structured and a lot of similar teams. 
especially over the last couple of years. I mean, obviously that, that top line was pretty much untouchable and that's, you know, a, a debate or a conversation that we can have as well about whether it should be like that. But obviously this year, the second line has bigger holes with the departure of David Krejci. But for the most part, besides that second line left wing spot, those were pretty locked up spots. And and a player like Andres Bjork, like Lancey was saying, is not somebody that you want to stick on the fourth line. And, and he is in, in a better situation in Buffalo right now. So it is kind of hard because you feel for a guy like Bjork who is getting put on that fourth line and you feel like he didn't really catch a fair shake. But then on the flip side, it's like, all right, are you really going to break up that top six just to give him a shot there? So it's a it's kind of a rock and a hard place situation. And, um, you know, I think for Bjork, that was a, a good chance to kind of just move him on. And obviously nobody's complaining about getting Taylor Hall in return. But like Lance Heath said, I think I think Heinen is kind of the bigger the bigger blow because he's a guy that really could be a solid third line. Mm-hmm. Like you want, like Lance said, the fourth line kind of for better or for worse has the identity and you can argue about whether you need to have a, a classic enforcer line, but at the end of the day, you want to have a high energy line in the fourth line. It's probably not going to be goal scorers just because you're running out of cap space there, right? It's, it's pretty much lowest in the totem pool as far as cap space goes. The third line on the other hand is different. There's, there's a little bit more room for creativity there. And Danton Heinen, you want someone who can score like 10 to 15 goals. Yeah. And Danton Heinen is, is at the very least that, and I feel like, he is somebody that they could have kind of carved out and gotten a bigger spot on the third line with the potential to jump into the second line when there's injuries and that sort of thing, uh, who just never really for, for one reason or another could put it together or didn't, didn't have the right fit. Couldn't be put into the right lineup into the right spot. Um, and was shipped away for not that much coming back. No offense to Andre Kasha. Loved him when he was here. He's doing pretty good things in Toronto, but obviously yeah, injuries. Just, I feel bad for his injuries. Yeah, absolutely. He he never got a fair shake just from an injury perspective. Um, but it's it's kind of hard. And, and again, I feel like for that reason, the the Heinen one was a little bit more um, volatile, if you will, than than the Bjork move, in my opinion, just because he is somebody that could have slotted in. And and again, it's that the Bruins. That's where the hole's been, right? Those top two lines have been pretty solid. You you obviously again, with the exception of of that second line wing issue. Besides that, you've had now it's pretty, center. <laughs> yeah, and now it's center. Yeah, which is a, a bigger hole, obviously. But you fixed one uh, thing and turned around, and oops. Yeah, so it was it was that inability to kind of find a consistent third line, and and that's where the depth scoring really fell off, right? Um, to kind of tie a bow on all of this for our, our Tuesday episode before we move on to recording our Friday stuff. I was going to summarize in the sentence, just expectations and reality. I mean, if you expect to win the cup, then you need to have something complete. And the reality is, if you're not there, do you just start selling assets? But anyway, you were saying the schedule. Yeah, that's a that's a big conversation to have. So not to scare people that one for now, but um, the schedule is going to it is it's wrapping it's it's ramping up big time. They're playing. I think Jack said it on the broadcast the other night. Pretty much every other day from now through the end of the season. Hell yeah! Um, Bring it to me. It's, it is every other day. So. On one hand, we talked about how how hard it was for this team to kind of find an identity based on how slow the, the pre-schedule start the season one was, and then you add in the COVID break they've had. We're putting the foot on the gas here pretty quickly. So we're going to be a lot of games played. You're going to have an opportunity for everybody up and down the lineup, especially those lower line guys who aren't seeing much ice time, to really get their, you know, their shit into gear. Again, even the top line, it's harder to – it's harder to play at a, a normal level if you're playing every four or five days, even for a top yeah. line guy who's playing 15, 20 minutes a night. 
you look down to that fourth line where they're getting six, seven, eight, nine minutes a night. It's really hard to play consistent NHL hockey when you've got seven minutes of, of true competitive hockey going on every week or, you know, 14 of those two games in a week. That's going to change a lot here over the next four months, really. So on one hand, you got an opportunity for the whole team to kind of get into a rhythm. And second of all, playing that often, there's going to be injuries. So there's going to be spots for guys like Oscar Steen or Jack Stanika to come up and down the lineup and maybe not have to play because the Bruins have so much of that depth right now. And those bottom six guys, if a, a Taylor Hall, God forbid, goes out, or if they do end up trading Jake DeBrusque and we'll see what they get in return and that sort of thing, there could legitimately be middle to top six options, especially if Cassidy keeps playing with the lineup for guys like them to come in and say, all right, you're playing with Patrice Bergeron or you're playing with, you know, Taylor Hall, you're playing with whoever, show us what you can do right now. So for better or for worse, there's a lot of questions about this Bruins team, like Lancey was just alluding to. But I think over the next four months, we're going to learn a lot about where this franchise is going over the next few years. So uh, if nothing else, that's something to be excited for. For better or for worse? One thing I will mention about that schedule, and I think the Bruins, I mean, as they're probably doing, you know, one game at a time, you know, don't look at that entire next two months or sorry, two months, Jesus, four months of of games that are going to be stacked on top of each other. The next 11 games kicking off on Tuesday, nine of them are at home. I think that is a huge opportunity for the Bruins to really get going on the other side of this break. Huge, huge blessing there to have nine of those games at home. Um, and they just got two on the road. So, uh, or no. No, no, no. One on the road. Yeah, one on Buff- one. Buffalo was at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But hey, they got one on the road, and it was in a back-to-back as well. But yeah, I, th- I think that's big. I think that's big. Well, I guess the Montreal one was postponed, right? So I guess that makes it ten. Well, no, they're no. They just moved the March game up to. They nine, moved. The- oh, okay. Yeah. So they're just okay. Gonna- potentially flip-flop them which people are saying you know why aren't they doing that with more games it's it all just comes down to like you know if you bought a ticket for a weekend game expecting to bring the whole family and now it gets rescheduled for a tuesday night what now you can't go what what do you do (laughs) (laughs) well i'm just bjork just catching strays i have nothing against Anders bjork i'm just trying like 90 percent true though so drew's dialogue is getting i'm just trying to our conversation just Look, now. we're looking we're looking for content, we're looking for clicks, and we're looking for reviews. Go on to Apple Podcast right now. Give us a five-star review on Spotify. I don't think you can do that, which sucks. That's the only thing I don't like about Spotify. You can't I mean are reviews even necessary. They should just know that when Cam is here, don't listen to show sucks. It's gonna be good. <laughs> wow, you guys are just not supportive of well. This people. this episode be has been a co-host and three members of the bullpen. I don't think I need to say who's who. It's Lancey, the co-host. There you go. Cam, you got demoted. I think. Well, I think Lancey's closing in on 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 Cam's number of appearances. So probably, probably yeah. yeah. I should look that up. All right, let's let's wrap up Tuesday episode. Uh, stick with us on Friday. We're answering your listener questions, including our thoughts on the recent shaking up of the lines by Bruce Cassidy. Join us in however many days that is from when you're listening now. We'll talk then. Goodbye, everyone.